The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. For these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're going to consider hope accomplished. And we're going to have some meditation on God's people in Luke chapter 1 and 2. Luke wrote his gospel from the evidence of eyewitnesses of Jesus and his advent. So we're going to be hearing from people surrounding the first coming of Jesus firsthand and what it was like for them. Today, we're going to consider Hope Revived, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So hope is a joyful expectancy that your future is bright. Hope is looking forward and seeing good things coming down your way. And 2020 has done a lot to batter our hope. It has depressed our hope. It's weakened it. It's pushed it down. Wave after wave of suffering has come our way and affected every single one of us here. We've lost friends and family. We've lost jobs. There's social injustices in the streets. There's the political frenzy we've just made it through. Hallelujah. And on top of all that, there's the weight of personal sin, the the darkness inside of us all. And all of us here are weary and tired, and our hope is depressed, and we need to know how to revive that hope, how to resuscitate that. And the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth is a journey from depression to hope. And the main word for you today is, your hope is revived by dwelling on the advent of Christ. Your hope today in this Advent season can be revived by dwelling on the advent of Christ. And we're going to look at this passage in two movements, the first, hope depressed, and the second, hope revived. Hope depressed and hope revived. Let's look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and their hope being depressed. Let me read the passage for us. Isaiah, uh, Luke 1, 5 through 24. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. 
And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they, wonder, they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Before we get into the sermon, let me pray briefly for the Lord's help. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, as we look at hope depressed and hope revived, would you speak to us by your spirit and revive us as we behold Jesus Christ? It's in his name we pray, amen. So Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in dark days. It was a day of national darkness. Herod the Great was ro ruling over Judea. He was a violent man, and there was a saying going around about Herod that went, better to be his pig than his son, because as a Jew, you knew he wouldn't kill a pig, but he would definitely would kill family and even kill his own sons for his own power. The Jews did not choose him as a ruler. In fact, they were still under Rome. We just got out of a series in Daniel, and this wasn't the bright future that Daniel longed for when he was in Babylon. He longed to be with God, under God's favor, in God's land. But here, Israel is under darkness, under a violent ruler. And we quickly go to the personal darkness of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were a ministry power couple. Both of them could trace their genealogy all the way back to Aaron, the OG priest. And they were faithful to God for decades. They were blameless. They walked with God. But they had no child. They had no son to pass this ministry or this family name onto. And it had been decades. They were, Elizabeth was barren and she was past the time. Um, she was advanced in the years and she couldn't conceive. They started to think, we pray but God is silent. We've been walking with God, but is he walking with us? They prayed for decades for a son, now being in their 60s or 70s, and they didn't get one. They prayed for centuries for a savior, and he hadn't come. 
It had been 400 years since the last prophet in Israel spoke in the name of the Lord, Malachi. To give us a framework for that, 400 years ago, this month, the Mayflower landed in Plymouth. That's worlds away, cultures away for us. So they long to hear the voice of God, but it seemed like he went silent. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred or hope delayed time and time again makes the heart sick. Zechariah and Elizabeth had hearts that were sick from being disappointed year after year after year. So their hope was depressed. And God moved towards them in their depression. Maybe you're at a point right now in 2020 that you don't want to wake up in the morning. You don't want to go about your day's duty. You don't want to make plans for the future. You're depressed. You don't want to eat. God moves towards you in your depression, in your lack of hope. And now we see their hope begins to be revived. Zechariah was a priest, and there were 24 divisions of priests. And every division would be on rotation two weeks out of the year. They were basically butchers. They would go into the temple of God, make sacrifices, make prayers on behalf of God's people. And so it was Zechariah's week. His division went up. And they would cast lots. It's almost like putting your name in a hat to see who would go in to the holy place and offer incense and prayers for the nation. This happened to a priest maybe once in his lifetime, if that. Only one person could go in, and once your name was selected, your name was taken out of the hat. And so it was a great honor, joy, and even a fearful privilege to go into the temple and offer incense. So Zechariah shows up. He's depressed. He doesn't have a boy. He hasn't heard from God. He clocks in, puts his name in the hat, and the head priest says, Zechariah, you're going in this year. God is starting to revive his hope. He chose Zechariah to bring him into his temple. We know that God is over lots. It's not just random. He's sovereignly selecting who he's drawing to himself. So he brings Zechariah in. And it seems like a new start for this old man. And while Zechariah was in the temple offering incense, Luke says, that a whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. This is another sign of hope. After 400 years of prophetic silence, God's people are still praying. And this prayer is sweet in the nostrils of our God. It's like the incense that went up and smelled sweet. God is pleased to see his people pleading his promises even though he seems silent. And this is an example to us. For us, it's not 400 years. It's been 2,000 years. We're still waiting for Jesus to make good on his promise to come back. Don't let up praying. I don't know who said this. I think maybe uh, Charles Spurgeon, but I heard this once, and it stuck with me. When God seems deaf, do not be dumb. Or that's an old word for mute, be silent. When God seems deaf, don't be dumb. Don't stop praying when it seems like God doesn't answer. Press in, and that pleases him. 
While Zechariah is offering these prayers on behalf of God's people and offering the incense in the temple, an angel appears to him and dread overtakes him. We just went through Daniel and we saw what the presence of an angel can do to a man. Daniel was in the fetal position in his bed, fasting and probably sweating after a vision from an angel. And so it's a terrifying thing. A mighty angelic being comes in, but he gives Zechariah a word of comfort. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. So this mighty angel comes tenderly to Zechariah and says, don't be afraid, God has answered your prayer. Now we don't know what Zechariah was praying in the temple when he was offering incense, but he was advanced in years. He probably stopped praying for a baby boy decades ago. It just wasn't going to happen. And outside, God's people are praying for the peace of Israel, for the Messiah to come. And God, in his kindness, answers both of these requests, a prayer for a Messiah and a prayer for a son that uh, Zechariah stopped praying decades ago. And he says to Zechariah, you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name John, which means God is gracious. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth will finally have the joy and gladness of holding their own baby boy in their arms. But Luke says many will rejoice, or the angel says many will rejoice at his birth. That's unusual. Usually when you have a baby, you rejoice as parents, maybe some friends, neighbors, but your city or your town goes on. They don't notice that birth of the child, but the whole nation notices the birth of John. And we're given a couple reasons here. First, he'll be great before the Lord. He's going to be set apart. He's not going to drink strong drink or wine. And he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all language pointing to the fact that John is going to be a prophet. God is going to speak once more. And so that's why the nation's rejoicing. And then Gabriel goes on to say, John will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the power of Elijah. To us reading this, that makes no sense. Who is Elijah? Why is John coming in the power of Elijah? What does that mean? Well, what Luke's doing here is he's taking the last words of the last Old Testament prophet, and he's saying these are going to be fulfilled. If you flipped, flip left a couple books, past Mark and Matthew, to the last two verses in your Old Testament, in Malachi 4, 5 and 6, Remember, Malachi was the last prophet in Israel to speak, and these are his last words. In Malachi 4, 5, and 6, God says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction." So Luke is picking up where the Old Testament left off, and he's saying, that prophet like Elijah, who spoke powerfully in God's name, is coming. And that's going to be your son, Zechariah. It's going to be John. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. God is coming down. In your national darkness, in your spiritual darkness, God is coming. And this is the good news of Advent. 
God is coming to you. You can't come to God. You're shackled by depression, by fear, by your own sin and shame. Satan loves to keep you in that depressed state, in that hopelessness. But Jesus comes to us in our darkness, in our prison. He sets us free. Jesus is our friend in the darkness. And he's going to lead us through the darkness into light. And so this is the good news for Zechariah and for us. God is coming to you in your darkness. How did Zechariah respond? Maybe he busted out, threw his hands up, and started singing some songs, worshiping God. He responds cynically. He says, basically, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I'm old and my wife's old. How? To that glorious good news, he says, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. Elizabeth's pretty old. When you're depressed, when your hope is pushed down, it starts to breed cynicism in you, skepticism in you. And here we see it so powerful that moments earlier, he's cowering down before this angel, and now he has the gumption, the confidence to doubt this good news, this promise. That's how deep-rooted his darkness is. If, you, if you've ever tried to um, encourage a truly depressed friend, you know how hard it is. Maybe you bring all the encouragements you could muster of all the graces in their lives, things they could be thankful for. You think through the conversation in your head and say, okay, I'm going to show up, and they're just going to come out soaring. They're going to be so joyful after I counsel them. So you come in, you encourage them. Well, that doesn't work. You pray with them, that doesn't work. You read scripture to them, and you start to realize that they have like a hope-proof vest all around them, around their hearts, around their heads, and you can't get to them. This is the cynicism of depression, of hopelessness. It's hard to break through. And before we judge Zechariah for being so unbelieving, at this great news, think about yourself. Week in and week out, you sit under the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're a member at ROG or King's Cross, pastors here are dedicated to preaching Christ from every single passage in the Bible. And yet we leave here discouraged. We leave here unchanged so many times. And so we're just like Zechariah. This good news comes to us. God is coming to set you free from your darkness, to be a friend in your darkness, and to bring you to light. And we say, well, I lost my job. I lost a family member. I have this sin that I just can't shake. I have this addiction I can't shake. You're not with me. So how does God respond to this depressed hope? First, he has grace to uphold his promise. Notice the angel says, this promise will be fulfilled. Despite Zechariah's unbelief, God still fulfills his promise to him. Despite your unbelief, Jesus still will come to rescue you. 
but he also gives him discipline. So this angel who becomes identified as Gabriel, he says, you're going to be silent. You're going to be unable to speak. It's like they're on a Zoom meeting and Gabriel presses the mute button on Zechariah for being a doubter. And he says, for nine months, you're not going to be able to speak until your baby boy is born. And this was a discipline. Imagine the expectancy of a new father not being able to speak for nine months, not being able to share his joy with his bride or with his neighbors. And so this was a judgment to them or to Zechariah. But it was also a gift. And this time of silence was the pathway to revival for Zechariah. After these nine months, the Zechariah we meet in chapter, or later in chapter one and two is a changed man. He's no longer doubting. He's worshiping God with all he has, with all of his strength. And so the same prescription is for us. We are called in our depressive state to dwell on the advent of Christ. And this quiet reflection on the gospel is the pathway to personal revival. This quiet reflection on the gospel, we stop speaking our doubts and just listen to God's good news is the pathway to personal revival. So how can we dwell on the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ? And I want to give you just like a shotgun of choices to choose from. Um, you could read and memorize scripture, the beautiful text in Isaiah, or reread the narrative text that we're reading each Sunday in Luke 1 and 2. You could memorize these passages. Isaiah 9 is a beautiful one. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. Memorize that. You could read an Advent devotional. There's tons of good ones out there. You could read and sing Christmas hymns like we did this morning. I just want to say, even if you're unchurched, if you don't have any experience with Jesus, you know the tunes of the great Christmas hymns. You've heard them at Starbucks. You've heard them you know, through different shows, things like that. It's just so familiar to us. And we could probably regurgitate a lot of the lines from those songs. But that's just the surface familiarity with these great hymns. If you sit down with one of these hymns that we sing this morning and just read through it, keep your dictionary next to you, especially the older ones like Hark, what does that mean? Herald, I don't know. But we're going to look it up in the dictionary. There are some profound gospel truths in these hymns. So maybe you need to get away with Jesus with a hymnal and just look up the Advent section and just read through those, meditate on those. And when we come together, sing. Your pastors are here. They are paid to help you in your walk with Jesus. And so if you need help on what it looks like for you to sit under the good news of Jesus Christ this Advent season in your darkness, they can help you. They could point you towards a devotional. They could point you towards great hymns. What happens as you sit under the gospel is that God quiets you by his love. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is Zephaniah 3.17. I'm going to read that for us here. This might be the one to memorize during Advent. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is in your midst. That's the declaration of Advent. The Lord your God is in your midst. 
a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God is rejoicing over you with loud singing. He's exalting over you with shouts of gladness. Do you have ears to hear him? Maybe you need to turn off your notifications. Maybe you need to get off social media. Maybe you need to turn off the news. Turn off that internal newsreel of all of the problems in your life and be quiet and hear him singing over you in Christ. Your fears for the future, your fears for 2021, fears of more loss, fears of more crushed hopes will be quieted as God will say to you, I'm with you and I love you and I'll save you. The story of Zechariah and Elizabeth ends with an expecting Elizabeth. She's with child. And pregnancy is an image of hope. It's, it's almost a perfect image of what hope really is. If you're a woman here, you've been pregnant, you know what the, the expectancy, the hopes of pregnancy are. You think about what gender your baby is what their face looks like, what their personalities will be, what they'll do when they grow up. You start to prepare space in your home lovingly for them. But that season of hope is also marked with fear. You start to think, what if something happens to my baby? What if my baby's sick? What if my baby dies? What if something happens to me in labor? And the reality is, some of you even in here or watching have experienced that hope being crushed. You didn't get to see that baby grow up. You didn't get to hold that baby. And that's just a reminder that every earthly hope is fragile. Even for good things like a child, when you hope in that, that's a fragile hope, and our hopes get crushed left and right. And 2020 has been one big crushing of hopes. But there's one hope that is solid, that is concrete, and that is the Advent hope, that Christ is coming. Christ has come as a baby, humble and meek, and Christ will come again as a king, to plant his kingdom on this earth. So moving forward into 2021, bring your hopes with you. You have a lot of hopes that are still yet to be crushed before Christ returns. Some things that you long for, whether it's a relationship or a job or a successful ministry, may and some will get crushed. But you could put all of your stock, all of your hope in the fact that Jesus will return for his people. So in your depression, this Advent season, revive your hope by dwelling on the Advent of Christ. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. 
Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.